say is, wow. There's so much football that has been played in the last two weeks. Um, I want to start off by saying, welcome to the League Lowdown. This is Greg Ellis. And this is Diane Tanwakio. Although I stick with my pick, it's not looking good. Black Panthers got a loss in week one. Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. There's a guy who plays for Mean Machine. And, you know, some of the members of the Black Panthers, I looked at the comments on the graphic. They didn't like it. But he torched them for five 180 and five tubs. I mean, that's, excuse me, nine for 180 and five touchdowns. Uh, and did I mention that all five of those touchdowns were the only touchdowns that Mean Machine had? He scored every touchdown against them. So I know they've got some good defenders on Black Panthers. And uh, one of the themes coming into this for a lot of teams were, oh, well, we didn't have all our players. Well, guess what? Everybody didn't have all their players. You know, a loss is a loss. You got to own that. And uh, that's the way it's going to look for L.A. going into this lowdown. I always think it's interesting when a team explains a loss with the fact that they didn't have their players. And we can only judge you by who's out on the field, what the video shows us. And there are some teams that have earned sort of the cred to say we didn't have our top players this weekend and that's why you know we lost and you know that we're gonna you're gonna see who we really are in in the playoffs there are other teams that haven't quite proven that the black panthers one of them you know i think that we know that they're good but we don't know that they're good in the playoffs and in the titan cup championship and so i don't think they've earned the cred to say we lost because we didn't have our top players but we're not going to lose when we do Fair enough. I, I I really don't have I really don't have an argument to that. I mean, there's there's nothing I can really say. I mean, what I'm gonna say? Oh, yeah, they lost, but they'll do better next time. That's not even me. They lost. They lost, and that's it. Me machine looked good out there. Um, so I, you know, I, I kind of want to talk about Downey because they're they're different from some of the other leagues that we cover. Right now, there are five, maybe six teams in Downey who I would not be surprised if they won the championship. We're talking about Black Panthers, Program, Raptors, RBK, Mean Machine, Endgame. If you did not hear your name and you're in Downey, let that be a challenge to you. But those were the six teams that I saw that I think have a chance of winning the Los Angeles Titan Cup. I mean, it just that's just the way it is. Mean Machine and Endgame, 2-0 in week one. They didn't play in week two. Black Panthers program, Raptors, RBK, all have one loss to each other, to the top six. You know, rounding out the division, you know, you have Showtime, B.O.B., uh, Toon Squad, and Child's Play. Toon Squad and Child's Play didn't play week one. They came in week two, and both of them looked like they got some work to do. I wanted Showtime to play in North Los Angeles. They took that as a challenge. They came over to Downey in South Los Angeles, and they are one in three. Am I surprised? Nope. Uh, moving on. B.O.B. So Diane and I have argued about this during the week. And it has to do with teams coming up from Spartan Division playing Titan. I, You know, my first reaction to B.O.B. week one was, man, this team looks kind of weak. Diane didn't agree. You want to tell them what you had to say yeah, about it? Yeah, I mean, we text each other during the week when we're watching film, you know, just to get some impressions out there and Greg told me that B.O.B. was a team that wasn't ready they should have waited before coming to Titan 
and I was like, Greg, they're really not that bad. And we had this discussion with Park Bombs a couple of weeks ago, and we asked them why they hadn't moved up to Titan. And their answer was, we aren't ready. We haven't proven that we're ready by winning a Spartan Cup championship. But I'm really of the belief that you're not going to find out whether or not you're ready until you do until you do it. And so BOB, they have players who I think everyone would agree are Titan level players. You know, Darius Barlow. You know, they had him throwing the first week. This week, they strayed away from that. They had PJ Washington throwing instead, which I think was a better look for them. We know and we've been telling these guys that they're Titan level players. And then when they come in and do it, you know, they're not going to look good right away, but at least they're going to learn what they need to do in order to be competitive because they don't want to get smacked, you know, smacked up every week. They, I'm, you know, they have pride. They want to figure out how to compete. And, you know, instead of a team like the Park Bums that are convincing them, themselves that they're not ready to come over, they're never really going to know until they do it. And B.O.B.'s done it. And they have improved leaps and bounds just from week one to week two. Week two, they look great. Look out for Darius Barlow on that top 10 plays. I mean, he had a play out there on the sideline that had me with my hands on my head like, what? You know, but he's that type of player. And as, as, as bad as I felt they looked week one, they looked great week two. They went one and one um, and they played both teams tough. And so and that's what we want to see. We want to see teams take on that challenge and move up. And I'm I'm proud. I'm proud of those dudes for, for doing that. Um, but they got to know you don't look good. I'm going to say it. That's just the way it is. Moving on from that, um, going back up to the top of the division, coming up this week, there are two games that I'm looking for, and they both include the program. Now, the program is three and one. Um, they were a little shorthanded this week. No excuses. Got to win if you're on the field. You got to play what's what's out there. Um, they get their full team back, and they play both Mean Machine and Endgame, who went undefeated in week one. Those matchups are going to be good. So program Mean Machine, program Endgame. I'm looking forward to those. I'm kind of excited. Uh, those are going to be amazing games. Those are going to be amazing games. Um, if you're asking me for my prediction, I think program wins both. And I think that speaks to the parody that's in Downey. And I think that that's true in Downey more than anywhere else, where because there are so many teams that could realistically take it at the end of the day, there are going to be multiple matchups every week that are you know going to be must-see TV. And so I'm counting five or six games that I'm interested in seeing. Showtime's one and three, but I'm interested to see them continuing to figure out how they stack up against top teams. This week, they have a matchup with Black Panthers, who are one and one, but we still consider a top team. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. They also play RBK, and RBK will be at full strength coming off a disappointing performance in Indianapolis. But you know what? I think they're going to bounce back. They're going to come back to their format. And um, I think, you know, Showtime and RBK is going to end up being a pretty good game. Moving on to Downey Spartan. I kind of want to. Listen, I I was in Downey week one, and I saw a team I was really impressed with, and that's the Tar Heels. The Tar Heels are sitting at the top of the standings for Spartan and Downey. They got a quarterback with a really strong arm. 
um, and just a bunch of just go getters. Um, that's a really strong uh, Spartan team, and I was I was I was impressed. I, you know, I'm out there and I'm watching the game, and I'm in, I was just really impressed. They played a game against Untouchables that was a dogfight, and it ended up coming down to the Untouchables having to use the extension play, which was really exciting. Now it ended up in a pick. <laughs> pick six on the extension play but hey you know what they went out there they tried it it was exciting uh i think i may have gone live if you follow me on facebook you can see it uh but <laughs> it was an exciting play but uh the tar heels man that they, they are they are tough out there that was a discussion we were having a few weeks ago what happens if the extension play is too successful now we have one instance where we saw what happened and it was a pick six so there you go Greg, do you think that the Tar Heels are the best candidate to move up to Titan? Um, in the Downey Conference, there are, in my opinion, three teams who I think can move up and compete. From the eyeball test, the Tar Heels are the number one team to do that. Um, but I believe the, both the misfits and about time are teams that can move up. Now, I didn't, I didn't skip over lights out. I just haven't seen enough of them to make that that call yet but i but i i know the players from these other three teams i've seen i watched all of the tar heels games two of them live and i you know i i believe that those are the teams who would probably be the most successful moving up to titan about time one team in particular they have a quarterback that i'm very familiar with chris wilkins mm -hmm. one of the strongest arms in tough and when you look at their roster they have folks who have played in titan before courtney nelson christopher thomas ronnie bullocks add a few players to that roster and that's easily a titan team we want to continue to you know we talk about titan teams a lot we also want to keep an eye out for spartan teams who we think could make the jump because that only makes tough better is when we have a robust titan division exactly i agree i agree Let's let's look into some matchups for next week. We have um, <laughs> the Untouchable and the Lightning is going to be uh, a character-filled game. Um, there there'll be a lot of talking. Somebody mama gonna get called out. <laughs> Your mama's so freaking fat. <laughs> I love those types of games. I still I got the Untouchables. Even at one and three, I still think the Untouchables come out with the win on that one. Next up, we got God Given versus About Time. This is going to be a good game. I know a lot of the guys from God Given, but sorry, fellas. I think about time is going to uh, smack y'all this week. You going to smack me, bitch? In front of my friends? You smack me in front of my Well, there's so much good football being played in Downey. We've talked about how, you know, there are so many locations that don't have Spartan divisions. And so you have Titan teams who, you know, couldn't hang. I don't think they could hang with the Spartan division in Downey. And that's a testament to how talented and how refined the teams have gotten in, in Downey specifically. I'm going to disagree. I've seen all of the Spartan teams in Downey this past week. I watched pretty much every Spartan team play in person in Van Nuys. And I'm going to say that the talent is comparable. The top teams in the Spartan division in Van Nuys are just as talented, if not more, than the top teams in Spartan and Downey. You're crazy. You're crazy, man. You're crazy. I like you, but you're crazy. Specifically, Park Bums and Rebels. The Park Bums and the Rebels, 
Park Bums go 2-0. and They didn't play week one. Week two, they go 2-0 and fairly easily. Um, the Rebels had a, had a couple tough games, and they came out on top. They played really well. I mean, I know the Rebels from our old four-man games way back in the day. They're all a bunch of gray-haired geezers out there running around uh, <laughs> waving their fists at all you youngsters out there <laughs> and they were kicking butt so uh that's that's awesome and and uh you know like i said i'm 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 happy to see how the talent is dispersed in van eyes because if you look at the standings you've got you got the rebels undefeated at three and oh park bums at two and oh rampage is a really strong team at three and one they lost a close one and they've got a cheat code i don't know if you guys know who adam amazaga is but he is a baller out there uh some of the plays he made were just ridiculous and so that makes rampage a pretty (laughs) a pretty hefty favorite to be at the top at the end of the season now i know adam what makes him a cheat code i think one is he's a titan level player who has won championships in tough but understands that with getting older, you know, let's let's see what it's like in Spartan. And he, like you said, is just eaten. You know, he understands the field. He understands how to get open in ways where, you know, the defense has nothing for it. You know, we always say that he is the best comeback in the league, whatever league that it, that it is. But he he's putting up ridiculous numbers right now and showing that if you apply – titan level strategy and knowledge to spartan that elevates a spartan team to have a player like adam amazaga on there it also elevates a team to have a player that on third and fourth down you can throw it to him whether he's covered or not and the chances are he's going to come down with it that's as a qb myself i love having players like that because they bail you out i mean that's just (laughs) that's just the way it goes and adam is one of those players now as good as Adam is, there's another team called the Rhinos, and they have a family of Cresswells, both Matt and Anthony. Now, unfortunately for this team, they lost their quarterback, Mario Maldonado, for the season. Mm. And still, they are winning. Um, Matt Creswell moved the quarterback. Now, that kind of hurts a little bit. It takes away one of their top threats at wide receiver. But they're still a really good team. <laughs> they're they're, 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 re- they're going to be a really good team, and I think they'll be at the top of the list. I'm going to play a little bit of Are They For Real. Are you for real? Are you really? We're going to talk about the Mastodons. The Mastodons are 3-1. and one. They're at the top of the Spartan division in Van Nuys, but they have beat on the bottom of the division. I'm looking forward to the Mastodons playing the top half of the division. Let's see how they go. Now, are they good? Hey, if you look at the eyeball test, they seem to be doing pretty good. But they, like I said, they are playing the bottom of the Spartan division. So I want to see what they look like against the Park Bums, Rampage, Rhinos, Rebels, or even the the, the Donkeys or Bombers. Well, you're going to get your wish this week because they play the Rhinos, who are also 3-1. See, that's that'll tell me something. Mastodons come out on top of that game, right? Then you know what? I change, I'll change my mind, and I'll put them in the real category. Are you So I've seen a graphic of the top receivers right now in Tough. Los Angeles, Tough Los Angeles. Tough Los Angeles, excuse me, in Tough Los Angeles. In no particular order, we have Matt Pang, Andrew Datcher, Antonio Bray, 
Christian Fabico, Bree Hawkins, Aaron Mays, Devin Christie, Anthony Dash Chidez, Noah Inman, and Reginald Pope. That list is a list based off of stats and, and the conference managers. So it's the league's list. It's the league's list. Uh, let me let me let me tell you guys about my list. My my ten is based on um, impact stats and who I know their abilities based on either playing against them or playing with them. So mine looks like this. No particular order. Here are the ten receivers I have at the top: Andrew Datcher, James Calhoun, Antonio Bray, Vi Pecco, Aaron Mays, Matt Pang, Josh Dorsey, Christian Pabico. And then two centers, Herman Enciso and Wynn Macaloni. And you mentioned a couple of things that you look at outside of stats. And, you know, I'm the same way. I think about, you know, who are the A1 players that you can build franchises around? And when your team needs a big play, who's going to give it to you? And so the three biggest omissions that I saw in the league's list that I couldn't believe, Tramel Sneed from Savages, Trey Wolf, Black Panthers, James Calhoun, Endgame. I did a top five receivers list uh, back in the day, and James Calhoun, I think, is one of the best receivers in all of Tough, and so no list in L.A. can not include him. Uh, but the other guys on my list, Aaron Mays, Matt Pang, Flash Chidez, Bree Hawkins, Darius Barlow, Christian Papico, and it's a toss-up for me between Devin Christie and Dash Chidez. You know, we've known the dynamic duo of Flash and, and Rashi. Rashi's not here anymore. And I think that Dash, especially in the last week, has stepped up and may be a top 10 receiver. I, you know, I see that. But there's a couple receivers on your list that I have on my list as top impact two-way players. Not just receiver. Definitely Trey Wolf. And then this is the, how I see Dash tight as. Um Now, his brother Flash... Right now is 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 uh he's he's recovering he's got a knee injury going on, that straightway speed is there, um but it's not flash it's not flash yet he's he's when he's flash his lateral speed is the same as his straightway speed I mean he's like a flicker out there, so I'm waiting for my boy to get back to 100 and he's most deaf is gonna be on my list. And there are two centers that we pointed out Bree Hawkins and Hermione and CISO, who I don't think most people would normally think of them when you talk about top 10 receivers, but that is really downplaying the importance of having a center who gives you something on offense. And so the person that can block, but also go out for a pass and, and make the defense pay. And so Bree Hawkins and Jeremy Nciso are, are the two best examples of that, I think, in the league. I agree. They're the kind of centers you absolutely need. Bree is, Bree is quick. Right. So he's a he's a smaller center who's quick, strong enough to get a good chip to give that that extra protection to the quarterbacks. And then when he gets out in, in the open, you get him the ball. He can go. Herman is, is is a little different. You're not getting around that dude. Right. He's a great blocker. You're not getting around. him. And then when you do, he's smart enough to understand when and where to go to, to place himself. I mean, he's not going to outrun anybody in a 40 yard dash, but he knows where to be. And it seems like he's always open. We're halfway through the season in Los Angeles, which means that the playoff picture is, is starting to take shape, you know, which brings us to, you know, what exactly that playoff format's going to look like. There'll be a conference playoff. So the top six teams from Downey, 
the top six teams from Van Nuys will have a conference playoffs until we get to the top two teams. The top two teams in Van Nuys and the top two teams in Downey will play in a Titan Cup playoff, which will include the top two teams from the Valley versus the top two teams from Downey. The winner of Downey will play the winner of Van Nuys in the 2021 Summer Season Titan Cup Championship. jump into san diego there's gonna be a battle for the bottom of the playoffs boy abby it's gonna get exciting uh we know that there's gonna be a big game undefeated pericos goes against undefeated vipers the vipers were on a tear this week they scored 128 points (laughs) in two games this week quarterback jay aldretti was on fire as a matter of fact i saw a graphic posted about it um, and it had Jay Aldretti's numbers on there. Well, in New York, they reposted that graphic, and they had something to say about about it. And oh, we're going to touch on that later. We will definitely get into that later. Let's get to the nitty gritty. Let's talk. I mean, we know what has happened up to this point. Um, Vipers and Pericos have been the tops of the division for the entire season. They're three weeks in. They're going into their final regular season week this Sunday. Um I want to talk about a team that I said at the very beginning who started 0-2, I said they were going to end up in the middle of the pack and they were going to buy for a playoff spot, and that is the Flash. They are currently sitting at the four spot at 3-3. Three and three. They have a tough road ahead coming up on Sunday. Both Flash and the Cobras are going to be vying for those fourth and fifth spots. And for those that don't know, the way the playoffs are going to work in San Diego the top five teams will make the playoffs. The seeds four and five will play for a play-in to face the number one seed. Seeds two and three will play each other, and then the winners of those games will meet in the 2021 Summer San Diego Titan Cup Championship. So the way it will work is at two and four, the Cobras will play the Doughboys at four. At three and three, Flash is going to play X-rated. Now, the way I see this working out, X-rated has been on fire. I think X-rated will beat Flash, which will put Flash at three and four. I think the Cobras will beat the Doughboys, which will put them at three and four. And then at five o'clock, Cobras will play Flash. Two teams at three and four vying for that fourth spot. Why is that important? There's a dark horse. There is a team at one and five, Crimson, who if they win both games, will be at three and five, just like the loser of the Cobra's Flash game. So now you'll have a a team at four and four in the four spot and two teams, both the five and the six seed will both be three and five and it may come down to point differential. Why is that difficult? Well, one of Crimson's games is against the Vipers who have been a juggernaut. So they're going to have to come into this focused. Crimson is definitely not going to beat the Vipers. It may be a function of San Diego starting earlier than everyone else. It may be a function of there being eight teams. But San Diego is one of my favorite leagues to to follow. Um, You know, obviously it's been sort of a top two 
you know, between vipers and pericos. And it's something that I've thought about a lot where, you know, they're sort of like a song of ice and fire where, you know, we think of them as a lump because they're the two top teams, but they're so different right. in a lot of ways. You know, they both played Kingfish last week. And when the Vipers played Kingfish, they put they put 72 up on them, which did they need to put 72 up on them? I don't know. They did. You know, Perico's played them too, and they really give off this feeling of a team that is cold-blooded. You know, they're technical. They're precise. They do exactly what it is they need to do to win, whereas I see Vipers as bringing more of the fire. They have to make people pay on a weekly basis, and they're going to do it in a way where they're going to put 72 up on a team. Seeing them in the same conference is so exciting. I think that they're actually the two best teams in Tough Nation. Uh? It's unfortunate that they play in the same place, but that's the reason why Crimson's going to have such a hard time pulling up that upset. And I actually disagree with you about the X-rated Flash matchup. When I watched the film last week, Flash really sold me on them. You know, they played Doughboys, who we both see as a solid team. Salvatore Mana, he threw 90%, 26 out of 30, 505 yards for nine touchdowns. And it wasn't just Salvatore. It was every single player on that team, Pascarella, uh, Van and Kolk. They were all playing with this swagger that really convinced me that they could beat anyone on any given Sunday. Wow. So since we're in a season of disagreement, <laughs> there is no way that these are the two top teams in Tough Nation. Not even close. I, who who do you have otherwise? Like I said, there are four to five teams in L.A. alone that I think could beat these two teams. Am I saying that these two teams are not really good? No, no, I'm not saying that. I just don't say that I could definitively put them at the top of Tough Nation. Not at all. Now, here's what I will say. What I love about the Pericos is their defense. I will say this definitively. They have the best safety in tough that I've seen, period. And that's Ocho, Jonathan Thomas. We call him Ocho. He covers sideline to sideline at single high safety, and it's just it's such a weapon. It allows the defense to jump short. They have one of the best rushers in Cam Wilkinson. Now, he, doesn't, he didn't have to rush. Because they have Charles Warren. Ooh. Here's the problem. Charles Warren has a knee injury and is out for the season. So, does that bring Pericos down a little bit? A little bit. That just means they have to move things around. I still think that Pericos overall have the best, smartest defense that I've seen play in all of the teams, in all of the games that I've watched so far. They, I, they really do have the best defense. I love Viper's chemistry. And it really came together nicely on offense this week. But they're gonna get they're gonna go against a top tier defense this week. So we'll get to see what that really means. Let's see if they get the sixty points this week. It's gonna be very difficult for them. It just got too hard. It's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. The hard is what makes it great. So we did a list of the top receivers in Los Angeles. I think we should do that in san diego but we're gonna do top five less teams we'll do a top five here's my top five in no particular order um, dj scott from the cobras 
at six foot three, six foot four with hands. I mean, uh, he's a monster. Um, Darius Walters from Pericos, one of the smartest receivers I've ever played against. He knows how to get open. He doesn't have to burst with speed. He just knows how to get to the spot, and he's very good with the the hip the hip movements on the flags. Um, Nick Pascarella from Flash. He's a go get it. I've seen them just throw it up to him, man. He just snatches the balls from the receivers. He's a he's a Debo. He's a beast out there. We've got a newcomer really to top receivers list for me, and that's Cam Wilcom from Pericos. Um, he used to be a rusher. He was an elite rusher. They moved him to receiver, and man, this guy has taken off. And then lastly, I always pick a center or center type, and that's Corey Thorell from the Vipers. And I think they do a good job of moving him around. He basically plays that second blocker type. Um, he, you know, chip and release, and when he gets out into the flat, I mean, he takes five yards and goes for 20 for touchdown all the time. You're like, man, what? How, how? How does that keep happening? He knows how to do it. They know how to use him, and he works. I think it speaks to how talented these teams are in San Diego, where I have some of the same as you, but I also have different players who play on the same teams as some people on your list. So here's my list. You know, I think first and foremost, I have to put Darius Walters uh, from the Pericos on this list. I did a top five some time ago. He's in the running for top five in tough. And so I know that there was some offense taken when I described him as having a tight end build. But for me, that's nothing but a compliment. You know, I really gravitate (laughs) towards receivers who cause problems physically for other teams. And Darius is that. He is physically a monster to me. So he, in in San Diego, is the top receiver. I do also like Angelo Trujillo from Pericos. You know, he leads the league in touchdowns with 16. And he's so versatile, and he has such good chemistry with, with Kenny M. Angie, they call him Angie down there. You had Corey Thorell from the Vipers on your list. I have Travis Knuckles. He is a problem for defenses. You know, he is a deep threat. So, you know, he's my pick from that team. You picked Pascarella from Flash. My pick is Michael Vandenkolk, you know, another tall, lengthy guy who causes problems deep. And then, obviously, DJ Scott. You know, you talked about what a problem he is. He's on my list, too. Man, San Diego is looking good. That game film? <laughs> Holy sh! It's it's crystal clear. It makes you it you know makes you feel like you just like came out of a pool and you're all refreshed just from watching their film. You know, Joe Green does a great job down there, and you know it it the the little things are taken care of in San Diego, and that conference is coming up. One of the big things that raises tough over other leagues is the game film. And when I watch film, San Diego's is the one that I put on my TV and I watch like it's my Tuesday night entertainment. It's the steadiness of the camera. It's the zoom ratio, which makes it super easy to, you know, kind of track a play. That definitely is a testament to how well Joe Green runs San Diego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as another as another kind of testament to how well things are going in San Diego, I'm to understand they've already got teams signed up for the next season. And this time they're going to have a Spartan division. So there's going to be more teams um, participating in this next season for San Diego. Yeah, so big up to you, Joe. We also had week one in New York, right? So 
earlier earlier there was a graphic that we talked about where New York Tough League reposted that and I believe the comment was apparently they don't play a lot of defense in San Diego. What is my response to that? Apparently they're not playing a lot of offense in New York. I'm looking at these scores 26-14, 27-13. Oh, wait, nope. Dragons had 37 points. You know, slow clap to you. That's not a whole lot of points and tough, and that's not going to do it against top teams from other other locations. 37-14 sounds like a halftime score for the Vipers. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I don't know if it has to do with the defense being so stout in New York. It. I watched the game film, and I, I'll say this. I love how New York does incorporate like they play a lot of eight man nine man in new york and they incorporate that in tough i look at some of the formations that they run and i see a lot of guys who double block or they'll have like sort of a wishbone looking formation where they'll have somebody releasing out into the flats every play um and it's a smart way to play i the only thing is i feel like they're missing the point where the centers don't seem to get the ball as much they still end up going down the field a lot um i think that reduces um, the quarterback's completion percentage because they're not just taking the easy five yards. I, you know, I think the best teams are patient enough to where if you give them eight yards every play, they'll take that all the way into the end zone. I would like to see New York put up some more points. Um, another thing is I'm noticing one of the top teams isn't there. There's no express. I, where is the express? I heard that they reached out after week one trying to get back into the league, but unfortunately a deadline's a deadline. And so hopefully we'll see them next season. That's unfortunate for them because they won't be picking up tough cup coins from this season. I mean, by missing it. And they'll only have one more opportunity with a fall season in order to pick up tough cup coins in order to make it out to L.A. One of these teams, these six teams in New York now are going to win the championship, pick up those that, those tough cup coins. And and they're going to they're going to pave their road to Los Angeles. Well, back when Express was in it, all they could talk about is. You know, we're paving our way to L.A. And New York used to be about Alphonse Peron, Rob Lane, Birdman. None of those none of those guys are here. And so that's opening up the door to, like you said, these six teams who are here. And they're, they might get that spot to L.A. unless these other teams that we know that are out there pick it up. This 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 first week and next week are, are fairly light as far as the schedule, but week three things really pick up for New York, and that's when it's going to get really, really, really interesting, and um, we'll have a lot to talk about then. Speaking of Tough Cup coins, um, I want to fill you guys in on how you get those, um, how you can uh, uh, accumulate coins throughout the seasons here in uh, Tough League. So every time you win playoffs, divisionals, conference championships, tournaments, and then obviously Titan Cup championships, you accrue coins that you can use individually towards advancement to Tough Cup here in Los Angeles. Now. How does that work? Every time you win, and when I say you, I don't mean team, I mean you individual. Every time a team you are on wins, you individually accrue tough coins. Why is that important? 
So let's say my team wins the Titan Cup. Everyone on my roster will receive 20 Tough Cup coins. And as the runner-up, you get 10 Tough Cup coins. Correct. Now, that's important because let's say I play in a tournament and it's a tough tournament and it's in a with a different team. If I win that tournament, I accrue and everyone else on my roster accrues tough cup coins. Those can be applied to my season team. And that's how you build coins towards being eligible for the tough cup here in Los Angeles. And that system makes players oh so valuable, you know, because there are also tough cup points awarded to seasonal awards. So, you know, excellence in season, um, also tournament MVPs. So if I see a player who has won a Titan cup and they've got 20 coins, I'm starting to look at them as someone that I want to pick up. Here's the caveat though. That player has to play at least two seasons with a team to be eligible to play with that team in the tough cup. So this season is kind of difficult because there's really only two seasons. There's this summer season and there's that fall season. So players are going to have to be smart and figuring out how to apply coins to what team in order to be eligible to play in the Tough Cup. But next year, assuming that we get back to four seasons a year, there may be some room to play around. Yeah, yeah, we, we're going to have an active off season. <laughs> Mommy! saw its first action in over a year they didn't play a spring season before the pandemic started and you know when we talked to james ward a few weeks ago he told us that we would have 20 teams right now we're at 13 he's half right but we we already have started to see kind of what the picture is looking out like in in st louis and we have three teams right now the hurricanes the tropics and the demons who we otherwise know or have known as the rams who are 2-0 and right now but you know who's not doing O? <laughs> Them wild boys. Oh, that's who they told us. That's they said that was the cream cream of the crop out there in St. Louis and the wild boys. Ugh. Okay, I understand losing. I understand, you know, we weren't on our game that night and they snuck us. They got us. But 45-14? Oh, they didn't sneak them. They got they got dog walked. Now, I don't know. I, I, I feel like somebody's got to explain this. I think we should get somebody on the phone. Hey, Chris, what's up, bro? This is uh, Greg Ellis and uh, Diane Tenwakio from the League Lowdown Podcast. How you doing? Um, I'm fine. How about you, sir? Let's, let's, let's get right to it. Hey, what happened this week, bro? Uh, the better team won. Uh, they came out. They were more prepared than we was. And hey, we got a wake-up call. You guys don't lose very much, and the last time you guys lost was to uh, the Rams, which looks like they've re-identified their side as the Demons. Yes, sir. Okay, so it doesn't just happen, right? It, and it can't be that the better team won to the point to the tune of thirty-one point differential. Uh, something mm-hmm. else happened. What's going on? Uh, like I said, they they was they was more prepared than we was. Um, I think one of the biggest issues that we was dealing with is playing off for our namesake, um, thinking that everybody's just going to lay down for us, 
because we the wild boys. Um, and hey, it's a whole lot more talent uh, in the league this time around. And like you said, like this is also the team that basically beat us the last time we gave up a loss. Uh, but we came back and redeemed ourselves then. And hey, that's the plan this go around. Chris, when we talked to James Ward a few weeks ago, you know, we said that St. Louis has been wild boy country. Did, mm-hmm. did you all have your, your wild, bo- wild boys here this weekend? Well, I, I play um, wide receiver, and we had both our quarterbacks missing, so I had to step in and play quarterback. But uh, like I said, there's, there's no excuse. Like, I've stepped in that role plenty of times over the past. Um, so I feel like we got the talent for whoever missing, we should be able to step up. But like I said, we just wasn't able to do it this time, but I guarantee it's not going to happen again. Okay, so then you don't really believe that they are the better team. You feel like they just played better that evening. Yeah, I feel like they were the better team that night. Okay, okay. okay. But yeah, like I said, at the end of the day, we, we still the Wild Boys. We still the defending champs. So like until we lose their championship, then we still the team to beat. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Now, <laughs> I also hear, speaking of quarterbacks, that you guys mm-hmm. picked up, you know, the Tom Brady of nine man out in St. Louis. You want you want to speak on that? Yeah, it's uh like I said, his name Kevis Hamilton. Uh, he's my brother, so like I'm always been his number one fan. But yeah, like he got the most championships in nine man St. Louis. He got a national championship. Uh, Hey, he re- he well respected around here. So, yeah, like hopefully he can get there soon, and I can go back to my natural position, and we can build a brotherly love connection. <laughs> so, what makes him so good? You know, you talked about him coming from nine man. Does that translate to the sixes? Um, a little bit. He um he played with us a little last uh, session, and he warmed up to it as the season went on, but uh. It's more of the the leadership, um, yeah. So he he he's he he's very well outspoken. So he's going to say what he feel, and uh, he's going to demand you to do your job. Nine man, you know, you have different kinds of teams. So you have teams with mm-hmm. a quarterback that likes to just take off every time, and you got you know you got your pocket passer. Mm-hmm. Which one is Kevis? Yeah, uh, he a pocket passer. He he gained weight over the years, so he kind of changed his position uh he used to run a lot at quarterback as well but yeah like he he's like a true tom brady like he's sitting in the pocket and like yeah he had like dissect the defense and like yeah and he also used to play a wide receiver so it's kind of good to have a guy that knows the position that he's throwing to as well so when kivas is there do you lose at any point the rest of the season Nah, I don't. I don't believe so, and I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, okay. even, even if I had to step back in that role, like I don't see us losing no more. Like I said, I, I you get smacked in the face, and you it make you feel a certain type of way. For sure, Mike Tyson said that. He's, everybody got a plan to get punched in the face. <laughs> yes, sir. Chris, I understand that you're with somebody on on the team. Um, you know, a defensive captain. Uh, who who are you with? James Hawkins. All right. And so what happened defensively? Uh, we came out trying to put pressure on the quarterback, and we was not really able to um, give him any pressure or really make him uncomfortable, and he just dissected us and and really just killed us. Mm. 
Is that something that you guys expected from from this team? I mean, did you come in thinking that their quarterback was going to be able to dot you guys like that? Well, I mean, well, playing against the guy, man, the guy is just a he's a he's a, he's a true competitor. So we knew that right. playing against him, he's probably the best quarterback we probably ever faced. He's uh, the even Pat with the Rams. The nine, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's like a he's a real killer. So we knew that it was going to be tough, and we just had to switch some things up, and we did it. So. Next time going around, we'll be more prepared. What are you taking away from this loss? Uh, just uh, being on the other end of the stick, really. We've never been there. So to get killed like that, like that's just like a <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's a lot more motivation. That way it's easy to find motivation for this se- for this session right here now. So did the demons literally themselves just wake a demon that's about to terrorize the league now? That's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. basically. <laughs> All right. Well, y'all know you can't give up 45 points and expect to, to to win St. Louis. And so, you know, hopefully this is a humbling experience. Exactly. We needed it. And I told my team we needed it. This, this is exactly what we needed. Right. And I'm glad we took it early instead of losing the championship to them like we did last time. Okay. So we're going to be paying attention next week. No letdowns. I, 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 way I see it is that you guys is going to come out hungry like you were supposed to the first time. And you're going to give some people some problems. So I expect to see more than 14 and 27 points in these games next week against, uh, what, Back in Black and uh, who else do you guys play? I think you guys have uh, one think game this week, one. right? All right, so Back yeah. in Black, back in black they, they <laughs> I hope y'all listening. They they said they coming back with some vengeance. <laughs> they owe somebody right. something. Somebody going to catch this whooping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> honest that wasn't really what i was expecting um, from that conversation they made no excuses they were really honest about what went down and honestly i i liked seeing that side of them you know a lot of guys would get on here and they would have excuses right uh we didn't have our guys or you know eh, right i don't know we just weren't into nah they they took onus of what happened we tried to do this. It didn't work. They made us pay for it. They were the better team this night. I mean, it makes you want to root for for guys like that because they're, you know, for me, their decisions weren't emotional, right? They're, they're, this looks sounds like a business decision, okay? We went in there. We invested in something that didn't work. Now we're going to try a different strategy. I think they're going to come out hungry next week, and they're going to smack around some people and, you know, just to remember, beat their chest and say, don't forget who we are, <laughs> Well, the Wild Boys have been in such a unique position with how successful they've been in St. Louis, where every single loss feels like an event. And it was great hearing from Chris and James figuring out what they were going to take from that game in order to move forward. And I really believe them. I believe them that they're not going to lose another game this season because of what they took away from that lesson. And they're not going to hang their you know, hats on, you know, we're the wild boys. We never lose. Yes, they lose sometimes, but we're going to take something from that. Yeah, well said, well said. But they're one and one, so let's move on from them. There's three teams that are two and oh. Hurricanes, man, Hurricanes put up 90-something points this week and only gave up 14. I mean, they came out rolling. Um, I mean, that's a lot of points. Uh, they're, they're, so they sit at the top point differential right so they sit at the top of the but we also had the demons in the tropics right two teams that came out looking hungry i know we've already talked about the wild boys bunch but 
it seems like they're going to have competition this season. This is not going to be one of those we're going to roll through everybody to a championship. So, I mean, I think that makes St. Louis exciting. It, you know, that that kind of parity where you got four teams looking good, you know, at the top of a 13-team division, and then you have no idea who the dark, dark horse is going to be out of these one-in-one teams. Um, it's, it's it's all exciting. I, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to next week. Um, there's no video footage. Now, I understand it's difficult being a conference manager. You know, they, they, they put their trust in somebody doing video who apparently pushing a button ended up being calculus. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but that's the way it goes. People don't understand how many moving parts there are in order to put on a successful season at a location. James Ward, we talked to him before. He understands everything that needs to be done. And in, in this particular case, out of the 100 things that needed to happen, one didn't. And that's it's unfortunate because the video is what we see and that's what we use to get a sense of what's going on. But I completely trust that he's going to take care of this business moving forward. And you know, hopefully it's a lesson to all of you all who think that it's easy to run Tough League. It's not. Um, and even a, a guy like James Ward, who has, you know, all of his all of his stuff together, sometimes things happen. All right. So let's let's look at some predictions for next week's games. Um, one of the things I'm noticing is that there none of the, the top teams as far as record are playing anyone who had wins last week. It looks like all of the undefeated teams are playing against the defeated teams. And I think that's a function of there not being a Spartan division in St. Louis. That's something that we talked with James about. But I think that's going to result in a lot of blowouts because yeah. you have teams that, you know, aren't necessarily Titan division anywhere else who are in St. Louis playing against, you know, sort of a top heavy location in St. Louis. Otherwise, with the Wild Boys, you know, who are one and one the undefeated teams that we have. I think we're going to continue to see some blowouts. The exciting thing about it, though, uh, is that there there are a couple teams who didn't play in week one that are coming in playing in week two. So I'm excited to see which, you know, whether we have some wild cards, right? Maybe, maybe we'll have some some upsets that we don't even know about. Teams who were just, you know, laying back, you know, they're baiting, you know, they're waiting this for their chance to, to hop out there. And, they're, you know, they're just being quiet now and maybe they'll make some noise next week. So, I mean, that's always exciting to look forward to as well. First game up next week is going to be Cyclones in the Nation. Nation didn't play week one, so this will be their their intro. Um, Cyclones didn't have the greatest week last week, so I think I'm going to go with the Nation. I'm going to go with I'm going go with the unknown. We've got Tropics and Reapers. Tropics right now are looking like one of the top teams. They're two and zero. I'm not seeing the Reapers take them off. We got Reptiles taking on the Nation again. The Nation didn't play week one, but you know coming in week two. This time I am not going to take. The unknown. This, the reptiles are one and zero. They've got a W, so I'm going to go with the winners. Next up, we've got Kings and Black and Black. Back and Black again. One of those teams that are playing for the first time uh, this weekend. Kings won a game last weekend, so I think I'm going to go with them. All right, we got tribes in the tribe and the Reapers in the standings. I think the Reapers are ahead of them based on point differential, but I think I'm going to go with the tribe in this game. Hurricanes, Redbirds. Hurricanes, another 2-0 team. I honestly think this is going to be a blowout, unfortunately. Hopefully, Redbirds show us something different. All right, so we got Kings and Demons. Um, <laughs> I just 
the way they handled Wild Boys, I just don't see anybody beating the demon. So I think this is an easy choice for me and Gwen Demons. Cobras and Hurricanes. And so Cobras, they are 0-1, but they did actually play the Demons week one and played them a close game. So I'm going to go with the Cobras on this one. Okay. So we got Wild Boys back in black. Back in black, you guys didn't play week one. I hope you guys bring it week two. Wild Boys are going to come out hungry and they looking to eat. her oh hell yeah sirens are gonna be back sirens are gonna be back how exciting so i've heard that there are a few teams that are confirmed to play and it's something that's been in the works for a while and women have been playing football in the past year but women have not been playing in the tough six format which i think is the best format for our game you know i may be a little bit biased but now we get an opportunity finally to play in this format that I think is the most fun to watch. Yeah. And there are a bunch of talented teams, you know, enough that, you know, some of these teams are breaking up into two, you know, which speaks to how excited, you know, it, how exciting it will be to finally have that tough six format for women. So this is all going down August 8th at Birmingham High School in Van Nuys, California. I hope to see all of you athletes, all of you talented ladies out there, ready to ball. And I hope to see some of you in men's tough six coming out to check out the ladies because <laughs> I think we have a thing or two to show you. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's an exciting time. A lot of football happening, man. And uh, I think it's appropriately called the heat wave. It's going to be a scorcher out there, both with talent, play, and weather. Hey, that's the same weekend as Dallas starting up again, August 8th. Oh, yeah. Dallas will start up again the 8th. Um, kind of excited. I understand that the conference manager, Brandon Brown, came out and watched some games this weekend in Van Nuys. That's really cool to hear. You know, L.A. is the flagship of Tough League. And so there's no better place to learn how leagues are run. And so I can see him taking that back to Dallas and, you know, really turning it up for the August 8th season. There's a new team out in Dallas, looks like, called the Mud Bros. And if I'm if I'm looking at this roster correctly, they have Corey Webb on there. Finally, 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 Corey Webb making his debut and putting his stamp in Tough League. His his that stamp will be in Dallas. I mean, I think he he has some brief appearances in San Diego, but uh, after looking at this roster, that appears to be the team to beat. All right, so Dallas starts August eighth, and that's gonna be exciting. This was exciting. Um, you know, we missed last week, and so we had a whole lot of football crammed in right now, and I I enjoy, thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm excited for the games next week. We've got a lot of football in a lot of different locations being played this weekend, and I can't wait to talk about it. Absolutely. Well, I'm Greg Ellis. And this is Diane Tenwakio. And this has been the League Lowdown. <laughs>